Have you heard you can listen to your favorite news podcasts ad-free? Good news. With Amazon Music, you have access to the largest catalog of ad-free top podcasts included with your Prime membership. To start listening, download the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash ad-free news podcasts. That's amazon.com slash ad-free news podcasts to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. This is the John Fugelsang Podcast. This is Sirius XM, Channel 127. Welcome to Progress After Dark. Welcome to Tell Me Everything, bringing good trouble to the right-wing bubble. I'm John Fugelsang. I'm just overflowing with gratitude tonight for a year that, well, we've all survived it. I'm so glad you're still here. I'm glad I'm still here. I'm glad to be working with the most dangerous team in radio, producers Chris Hauselt and Thea Harper. They are running this monster of a show out of South Carolina in Brooklyn. It is the 110-year anniversary of the crossword puzzle. It was on this date, 1913, Arthur Wynne published a new word cross puzzle, in the New York world in England, and the name was later changed to Crossword. That's how it identifies now. Today is the birthday of uh, friends of the show, Phil Donahue and Julie Delpy, not born the same year. Happy 88th to Phil Donahue. My God. And we have a lot to get to tonight. I'm so glad you're with us. Again, as always, our number is 866-997-4748. We would love to hear from you guys. 866-997-GRIT. And there has been a lot of late-breaking news so much to mock, so little time. Join our conversation all night long. Hello to our evil army of the night. Everyone listening live, you know what to do, when to do it. Hit those phones. Our third hour is going to be nothing but your calls for the end of the year. Uh, and hello to our daywalkers, everybody who listens. We are the world's largest streaming audio company. So hello to everyone listening on the SiriusXM app, on demand, or uh, on the Fugelsang podcast. We love all y'all as well. And if you're still looking for an ideal Christmas gift for the smart and moral and deeply attractive progressive person in your life, uh, let me recommend the Sexy Liberal Comedy Tour. We are hitting the road next year. It looks like there's going to be a lot of dates. Like, we might actually be doing a real tour next year instead of sporadic gigging. We call tours. I, I can't make any announcements yet, but we have a couple of dates on sale. We're almost sold out for Chicago in August on the eve of the Democratic Convention. But January 20th in San Francisco, it's the one year to the date before inauguration. We'd love to see you there. The next time, the last time we played San Francisco, uh, Nancy Pelosi joined us on stage. Can only imagine who will coerce into joining us this time. That's January 20th. Stephanie Miller, Hal Sparks, Frangela, myself. You can go to uh, sexyliberal.com to get tickets. Makes a great holiday gift, you know, if you're in that part of the world. We're going to be getting to your calls now for the rest of the night. Simon Moya-Smith and Julie Franchella join us in the next hour. We're going to be taking your calls all the way till midnight on the East Coast, 9 p.m. on the Pacific. So if you're on hold, I promise we'll get to you. Let's go to Kurt calling from Akron, Ohio. Kurt, thank you for waiting on hold. You're on SiriusXM. Hello. Well, thank you, John. I enjoy you on Stephanie every Friday, and this is my first time calling you. I'm so um, honored you would lower your standards this much. Thank you for squandering a night with us. I'm so proud. 
Well, thank you. Hey, you were talking about David Crosby earlier. And, you know, back on May 4th, 1997, I actually saw him perform with um, Graham Nash and Stephen Stills at Kent State University. Oh, no. I I know a caller of ours who might have been at that very show. (laughs) Well, (laughs) Mitch's ears are burning. (laughs) What's that? We have a we have a caller from Kent State who sees every concert in Kent State. So I I bet he was there in the audience with you. That must have been great. I never got to see them all together. Well, um, it was a free half hour concert because uh, if you remember 1997 in May, that was the first time the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame actually did their induction ceremony. in. Oh, that's right. That's right. I do remember I was there. So Kent was a hop, skip and a jump from Cleveland. So the May 4th task force. God rest you, Alan Canfora, wherever you may be. Um, he uh, was able to get Crosby, Stills, and Nash to come to Kent State for a half-hour concert that Sunday in 1997 Very to commemorate nice. those four dead. And I still remember to this day those four songs that they played. It was um, Teach Your Children, In My Life by the Beatles, yeah. Buffalo Springfield's For What It's Worth, and obviously Ohio. What a set list. Wow. You yeah. know, Graham's and done was, this show. Graham's done this show many times, and Stephen has joined us on stage before for the live shows. But uh, David was a—I mean, David's a friend. David has been to my house and played with my kid, and and it was a real friend to this show. Oh wow! But I'm you know, miss the reason him the most. I called is you might appreciate this because you're a Mister Religious guy. In fact, you brought me—you turned me back on to religion with the way you talk about it. Is back in 1994. Remember that midterm election? Sure do. Well, I remember going to church on November the 6th, which would have been a Sunday, okay. and, hearing the minister, and hearing the minister say, love thy neighbor as thyself and treat people the way you want to be treated. And then on Tuesday, half that congregation went and voted for the new Gingrich Bob Dole <laughs> yep. um, platform. So I said, that's it. They deserve everything they get. I'm not going to church. And I told my parents, please do not make me go to Sunday school. Well, I yeah, finally... I I finally came around by Easter, but I said, I'll go to church, but I'm sitting on the far left end of the sanctuary at the far left Kurt, end of the pew. We got to go, but I love your story. Listen, I, I, religion is great if it's into your intuitive faith, but I always say I don't blame Jodie Foster for her crazy fans. I don't blame Jesus for his. We'll be right back with your calls. <laughs> As a professional welder, Shayna Ford uses Forge FX to practice over and over, which helps her improve her skills. The more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. As you write your life story, you're far from finished. Are you looking to close the book on your job? Maybe turn a page in your career. Be continued at the Georgetown University School of Continuing Studies. Our professional master's degrees and certificates are designed to meet you where you are and take you where you want to go. At Georgetown SCS, the learning never stops, and neither do you. Write your next chapter. Be continued at scs.georgetown.edu slash podcast. 
Hey everybody, it's Michael Steele, host of the Michael Steele Podcast. Each week, I discuss key political and cultural issues joined by America's leading activists, experts, and academics for conversations that transcend political boundaries. And that's the point. I want you to join me as we work through real solutions, have honest conversations, just keeping it real, and having a little fun on the side. So listen to the Michael Steele Podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Spreaker, or wherever you get your podcasts on, because you know I love it when you do. From David Crosby's final studio album, his eighth album, this is for free. David came on the show when this was released in 2021. Do you remember that, Chris? Yeah. I loved how he loved Steely Dan and how excited he was that that Donald, Donald Fagan did, le- did lyrics yeah. for him, for Rodriguez yeah. for a night. That's right. It's a, such a good record. This song, of course, is uh, by Joni Mitchell. It's a duet with Sarah Jaroge. David was so proud of this. Michael McDonald was on this record, and um, his son James Raymond is on this record as well. David Crosby was one of the best friends this show ever had, and I have not begun to adjust to a world where he is not there. I can tell you, as soon as David left us, that is when Twitter went completely downhill. God bless. uh, God bless David Crosby. All this week, we are only playing music from artists we lost this year, in particular, artists who were friends of of this show. I'm John Fugel saying this is SiriusXM Progress. We are at 866-997-4748, and we are taking your calls all the way till midnight on the East Coast, 9 p.m. on the Pacific. We're getting to everyone tonight. Next hour is nothing but your calls. We're going to be joined in just a few minutes by uh, Simon Moya-Smith and Julie Franchella for our last installment of uh, our First Nations segment of the year. Really quick, though, let's go to Marie in Atlanta on Line 7. Marie, thank you so much for waiting on hold. You're on Progress. Thanks for taking my call, John, and uh, thanks for having Adam Bluestein on um, earlier in the show. Uh, as Pretty interesting, who, huh? <laughs> yeah, as, as someone who lived through the and survived the FenFen debacle, um, I confess that mm. I've been watching the development of these medications with, admittedly, a great deal of skepticism, just because I, you know, once you've lived it, <laughs> it is yeah. not fun to have to get out of that. Um, but, yeah. but curious to see how it all shake out. Um, but the reason that I called was um, regarding uh, Giuliani's having filed for bankruptcy. Um, not surprising to anyone who was paying attention. Mm-hmm. Um, but what's interesting is that he filed under Chapter 11. Chapter 11, you know, most people are familiar with Chapter 7 or Chapter 13. Chapter 13 is what they call a wage earner bankruptcy, where you stay in your job and like your, part of your salary is taken out of each paycheck and it's distributed to your creditors. Chapter 7 is a complete liquidation. Sell off all the assets, the money gets divided amongst your creditors. Chapter 11 is usually used as a business reorg. So it's odd to me because Ruby Freeman and and Shamos, they sued him personally. They didn't sue and win against his business or his firm. Um, It's not that 11 can't be done by by an individual. It's just a really odd way to do it. Here's what I think, though, is going to be interesting. Yeah, what Part do you think? I that, hadn't thought about this. Please. <laughs> what what that um, filing requires, you have the, the debtor remains in possession, meaning that they stay in the property, they they hold on to the things, and usually, again, because it's a business, right? You have to operate the business to continue making money. So if you're a bar owner, you're still operating and taking customers' money and so forth. In this case, he's going to remain 
holding the property. Um, um, and there is some indication that if the court finds that um, the person has filed to provide certain information that has to be filed with the court, like tax returns right. um, and various financial statements, the court then can force him into a Chapter 7, a total liquidation. What would this that mean? Guy who, what would that mean? I'm really worried about Rudy. I want him to come through this okay. What would that entail? <laughs> it would entail taking all of his assets and having a, basically a sale of bankruptcy to maximize <laughs> the amount of money to come out of those assets and then distribute them to the creditors. Boy, if only um, he was tight with a billionaire who could bail him out with money for all of his loyal service, you know? Yeah, and you know, I've never fully trusted that somebody like him is incapable of hiding money in, oh, I don't know, Russia or, <laughs> yeah. you know, someplace like that. So exactly. just wanted to point out, it's a, it's a weird filing. Um, and the other thing that I actually take pleasure with, he's supposed to demonstrate to the court that within, I think, 60 or 90 days of the filing that he had sought a credit counselor, and they must be on the list of approved credit counselors, and that the credit counselor's uh, recommendation was actually to file the bankruptcy. So I'm pretty sure that all the pre-filing work he hasn't done, and I'd almost be willing to bet he's hidden some assets somewhere uh, outside of the 90-day reach back, and it can actually be up to one year if it's a, a transfer to an insider. You know, oh, Marie, you, you, I, I, I don't claim to understand the law much. You're you're a you're a lawyer, um, and I you know I watched a movie with Gregory Peck once, but but I, I when I heard yesterday that the judge was not going to allow Rudy to wait on paying Ruby Freeman and Shea Moss and that he was ordered to begin paying them right away. I predicted this in 24 hours. And sure enough, we got oh, yeah. the bankruptcy declaration today. And it's important to remember this has nothing to do with the fact that he is going to be on trial in the state of Georgia early next year. Exactly. None of this. It, it can only affect civil actions against him. Um, and it stays all of those, meaning that they can't go forward. But the criminal action, that's completely unaffected. The two are completely, two completely different subjects, apples and oranges. Mm, thoughts and prayers. Thoughts and prayers. <laughs> What's your prediction, Marie? I mean, by the way, this is the week that I want to, before I let you go, everyone's been, been saying that I've had people I respect saying they think that Trump's legal problems will be too great next year. It, it's getting worse every day. Not exaggerating. It's getting worse for him every day. I don't care about the polls. I think a year from now, it's going to be a very different playing field. Do you think that he'll still be able to be the nominee? Wow, that's a great question, um, because there's at times when, as I've been watching him just say even worse and more depraved types of you know things at his, at his rallies, there's a part of me that wonders, is he trying to lose? Like, is he trying, like, how, how low can I go before somebody will finally relieve me of having to do this? No, 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 that's what, that's what I can tell you. That's what happens when you, you never tell a toddler the word no. They grow up just like this. That's all that is, I promise. <laughs> Absolutely true. Um, but yeah, I, I think that his I think that his legal chickens are going to come home to roost, at least in the form of all of the discovery and the pretrial hearings and all of those things. I have I have a feeling they're going to end up in like there's going to be a logjam where there's just going yeah. to be so much coming at him. Um, You're right. I don't feel sorry for him, not one bit. But yeah, I, I do think that his it, it is going to be very difficult for him to be the party nominee just as a functional yeah. matter. Uh, no. Don't say it. I, oh, no, I, it has to be him. It has to be him. I have too many jokes written. <laughs> all right, Marie, I thank you so, so much. And thank you for all the free legal advice this year. When I get in trouble, I know where I'm going to go. 
happy to help, John. In Take fact, care. by the way, Russell, Russell Brand has already inspired me legally so much, Marie, that uh, I'm just going to start talking about the deep state right now. So whenever I get in trouble for all my Me Too stuff, I can just say it's the vaccine people trying to shut me down. I've got my whole defense all planned. Thank you so much, Marie. <laughs> Thank we are at we're at 866-997-4748 866-997-GRIT we're going to take a quick break we'll be right back after this VR training platforms like the one developed by Fundamental VR and Orbis International are helping surgeons train over and over before operating on real patients. As you practice each skill, the muscle memory starts to develop. Learn more at meta.com/metaverseimpact. You know, I began the show talking about all the great things that happened uh, in in this year, and there were a lot. But you know what was better than Tucker Carlson getting fired? You know what was better than uh, uh, having having uh, uh, the big three pharma companies sit down to negotiate drug prices for seniors? You know what was better than a sitting U.S. president joining a picket line for the first time? What was better was Simon Moya Smith and Julie Franchella doing a regular segment on this show every week. This segment has been hailed by... Pop stars from Stephen Van Zandt to Jewel, and it's not hard to see why. Uh, I'm a big fan of both of these people, and together, it's it's unstoppable. Simon Moya Smith's an Oglala Lakota and Chicano journalist. He's a contributing writer at NBC News, and you can read his thoughts on issues at the intersection of his heritage and modern politics. He's the author of the forthcoming book, Your Spirit Animal is a Jackass, and recently profiled Paulina Alexis of the Peabody Award-winning FX series Reservation Dogs for the Cut. Simon, welcome back to SiriusXM. Thanks for having me. Hello, everyone. Thank you so much. It's been such a pleasure having you and Julie this year, and uh, I'm glad to have you guys as our final live guests of the year. Right on. Yeah, thanks for being here. Uh, Julie Franchella is an activist, an artist, a writer, a veteran mental health professional, over 28 years experience in the clinical field with complex trauma. Julie has worked as executive director of a domestic violence center and a clinical caseworker for 13 years at a residential treatment for indigenous youth and families. Julie is an enrolled member of the Ojibwe of Batuana First Nations Reserve and currently works with the First Nations University of Canada. Julie, Merry Christmas. Welcome back. Merry Christmas, happy holidays, and thank you for having us, and also, happy winter solstice. Thank you. And and there's nothing uncool about uh, saying Merry Christmas necessarily to our First Nations friends, right? I mean, it's always with, no. with anyone. You just check and make sure what someone celebrates before you say it. Absolutely. Merry Christmas. I say it all the time. Right on. Well, uh, folks who aren't watching us on Zoom don't know this, but Julie has shown up in an elaborate um, <laughs> Star Wars headdress uh, looking like Ahsoka Tano. It's, it's called a Leku for those Star Wars nerds out there, which I am one of. And it's sort of like a wig, but for fleshy parts of alien heads. And uh, it, it it looks great. Anyone can go online and see your photos of, uh, as, as, uh, as, as Ahsoka. But you're wearing this for a very special reason. We got an announcement this week. An announcement this week. There was, there was actually new news about the very first Star Wars movie, A New Hope from 1977. Julie, uh, set this up because I love this story and I wanted this to be front page headlines around the world. Right. So the University of Winnipeg has collaborated with Lucasfilms and they're going to dub Star Wars A New Hope in Anishinaabe Moin, which is the Ojibwe language. So 
I'm so excited about this as a lifelong Star Wars fan whose passion runs so deep that I've half jokingly told my daughters that at my funeral, while people are walking into the service, I actually want them to play the Star Wars Cantina theme song <laughs> for one last laugh. And then I'm serious about it. My daughters will tell you so. Um, so I'm so excited about this news and the the fact that they're going to be dubbing this in Ojibwe. Um, it's the university is actually taking this as a, a form of reconciliation to promote and preserve our language. And for Ojibwe people, it's it's almost like finding out that you know you're you're secretly a Jedi. That's how it feels. Yeah. So it's, it's true. I'm so excited. We talk about representation all the time, but you you never think about something like this, uh, obviously, if you're a white person. And I mean, we think about how all the different languages these are these films are translated into. Uh, I, I understand that they did this for uh, for the Navajo language about 10 years ago, right? Yes, they did. Um, it's actually available on Disney Plus. You can watch it in uh, the Navajo language. Also, you know, Star Wars is is such a wonderful representation also of a lot of different philosophies in, in indigenous sort of tribes, you know, the, the connectedness of everything, you know, the force being one with the force. Also, if you look at um, Princess Leia, her, her um, hairstyle was actually inspired by the Hopi nations. Um, I think it's called the uh, squash blossom. You know, the two, it looks like she's wearing cinnamon buns on her ears. Yeah. That was inspired by the Hopi Nation. So Star Wars is Here in New Mexico, yeah. That's right. Yeah, very I mean, so much of it, though. I mean, so, but so much of it, I mean, it, it is about, I mean, the Ewoks is a story of indigenous resistance to an invading, occupying empire. And, and I mean, you see reflections of, of First Nations thought and wisdom from, from, you know, the Jedi all over the whole series. Yeah. I'm a fan. I, I, John, you know I'm a fan. I'm a huge Star Wars fan. Um, and so I'm just excited. I'm brushing up on my Ojibwe, so I might, you know, audition for the uh, Leia, the Leia voiceover. That's right. But, a- actors are yeah. it's in Canada, right? It's so all Canadian uh, native actors will get to audition early next year to be a voice in Star yes. Wars You're 47 welcome. years You're welcome. after the release. Right. Any any indigenous people across Turtle Island are welcome to audition. I think that one thing is you have to move to Winnipeg, which we affectionately dubbed Winterpeg because it gets yeah. so cold there. So, yeah. <laughs> Simon, I love this story. I know it, it might be silly to some, but to me, it's just, I mean, for generations who've grown up loving Star Wars and relating to the themes of it, it you know, it's... I'll never forget when I went to the Cherokee Reservation in North Carolina, where I think I mentioned this to you before, they they took all the casino revenue and used it to lift every member of the nation out of poverty and to open up a school to teach the language to the next generation. We we yeah. gloss over the erasure of native tongues, even when we talk about the ethnic cleansing of the indigenous people of this country. Yeah. Remember, our languages were outlawed just like our ceremonies were outlawed. And so now there is language revitalization, but now municipalities and schools are recognizing that yes, English is a foreign language. English came from England. It is not the language of the land. The language of the land is Oneida, Ojibwe, Choctaw, Yupik, Anupak, Oglala. These are indigenous languages that were invented on this soil. And so now you, in some schools around the country, if you want to study Dene, if you want to study Lakota, you can still get a credit. The thing is, we're trying to get them to stop labeling those as foreign language credits. I think anybody who's, I think 
anyone who studies the English language should get a foreign language credit. It came on a boat. It's not from here. So I think what the language revitalization movement is is really strong. As a matter of fact, just this week, uh, news broke that all across the country that there's Native American translations, indigenous translations being added to U.S. road signs so that people oh. can learn. They are, here in New Mexico, it's already been done. But in the East Coast, they're really kicking off with it right now, even in Massachusetts. And we have to it. remember, everybody, there wasn't some British dude who came here with the last name of Massachusetts. Massachusetts is a tribe. Okay, so people are learning little by little that they're not only are we still here, but our languages are still here with us. Wow. That, Simon, sounds like the sort of thing that will make a racist use the word woke. I got to say, and that's what I live <laughs> for at this point. Uh, yeah, those bastards. I, I love it. Listen, I, there's so much I want to talk with you guys about, and this is our last time this year. Uh, but let me just begin by thanking you again for making this a regular weekly segment on the show. I'm learning a lot. Our listeners are learning a lot. And I'm so proud to be a part of what you do. I want to bring in some of our listeners early on. Uh, uh, Mitch and Kent State, you've been on hold for over an hour. My God, you're on with Julian Simon. Welcome. No worries, John. Thank you very much. Uh, and peace and love to everyone there. Uh, Julia, we had the pleasure of meeting you in New York uh, a couple of weeks ago, and uh, such an honor and, and just a beautiful uh, display there of your artwork and, and such. And I just want to thank you again for that. You're so yeah, welcome. her painting's amazing. Thank you so much, Mitch. It was so nice to meet you. It wasn't. Uh, you know, that was, uh, re um, and uh, Simon, also, I was researching a little bit when you, I think you touched on it last week about um, indigenous artists. Um, and then I, did, I came across one I was I wasn't sure if I had to I had to check out, but uh, Richie Valens uh, is, oh, yeah. is of um, uh, indigenous descent from uh, Mexico. Yeah. Is that correct? Yaki. He was Yaki. Yes. Yes. And uh, his uh, his uh, ancestors uh, were actually uh, some of the founders of uh, uh, some of the cities in Southern California. I believe that. Uh, uh, his his heritage goes back that far, as far as uh, Los Angeles and in in that area oh, yeah. there. But uh, wow! Uh, oh yeah, yeah. We they're indigenous, and we have to remember that. Yeah, just because there's the Canadian U.S. border and the Mexican U.S. border before white people came here, there weren't those borders. That's not our border. That's right. That's so th correct. The Yaqui people are indigenous just as much as the Yupiks in Alaska, just as much as the Ojibwe in, in Canada and Minnesota, just as much as Lakota. So as far down as you can go down to the Aztecs, we've been here since time immemorial, right? Anthropologically speaking, upward to 100,000 years. So he is indigenous. And if you can imagine it, he is northern, considered northern indigenous in, in the respect of Mexico, because you go all the way down to South America. There's even even more indigenous people down there. So yeah, he was he, he's a representative of the Chicano community, but he's also, and we have to remember, Chicano is a representation of indigenous people sans colonization and the Spanish That's influence. Right. Yeah, they were saying, well, at first he would, they believed he was of what, the Yaqui Indian descent? Is that pronounced that mm -hmm. right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah. Yaqui. And there was actually uh, another, I thought, another um, uh, group that was uh, also, he, he had a blood from another group. Was, um, well, there's some that... Uh, we intermarried, of course, 
in the sense that, you know, this tribe and that tribe, we would, you know, marry one another. You know, of course, we want to keep the, the bloodlines clean. So there's the Raramuri and even the Raramuri, look them up uh, today. They are known for winning long races, like running for miles and miles. And because they don't have any money, a lot of the runners use uh, like the two liters of soda pops and they fashion those into chanclas, into sandals. And they're the ones that win the races because they are the hmm. runners. They're actually the ones that in. So people like to think that uh, alcohol came from Europe. Well, there was a form here. It was corn beer. Corn beer is really mm -hmm. good to drink if you're going to go for a long run because you have the hydration and you also have the carbs. So they have their corn beer, which is very low in alcohol, and they'll drink that and then they'll just keep running. They're the runners. You know, also, you know, I remember watching the movie La Bamba, and uh, I think I believe it was before the plane ride uh, that they there was a ceremony of sorts, and mm -hmm. I think his brother uh, took him to a curandero. Uh, that's a yes, yes, and because he had a fear of flying, is that correct? I believe he had a fear of mm -hmm. flying, and this was yep, from an early age. Yes, and to maybe drive away the evil spirits or whatever to uh, give him this confidence, you know, in, in doing this. That's right. I've heard that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and uh, I, I remember that scene in the movie, but uh, I just uh, made the connection there. I thought that was so cool. And, right, uh, he was indigenous uh, through and through. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, Mitch, uh, thank you so much for the call. I really appreciate you weighing in, and thanks for your kind words about uh, Julian Simon's work. Yes, peace, and thank you very much, John. Happy Thanks New Year, man. Hey, guys, I wanted to ask you, um, you know, you've brought so many great stories here and, and some of them do get some press traction. Some of them I'm shocked that we don't talk about more. And I'm just wondering for both of you, what what was a story this year that you thought was was really underreported by the mainstream corporate media that maybe you thought would get more traction or that should have gotten more traction? Julie, I'm, I'm wondering what was something for you this year that you uh, think more people need to know about? Um. In that sense, I mean, we'll probably talk about this later, but Leonard Pelche being one of them, but also in Canada, Tantu Cardinal uh, received the um, a star, we call it a star, I guess, on the Canadian Walk of Fame. And that might not seem like a big deal, um, but for us, you know, Tantu Cardinal, she's been, you know, in her career for, I think, five decades, five decades long career. And she's been a vocal advocate um, for better representation of indigenous peoples in media and film, uh, consistently pushing for more nuanced and accurate portrayals of indigenous people. Um, and we all know her from, you know, Dances with Wolves and Smoke Signals and um, most recently Killers of the Flower Moon. That's and right. I think um, she's an advocate. She protested the, the, um, uh, the Keystone Pipeline. And so she's really been, you know, um, someone that I've respected, you know, my whole, you know, growing up in Canada, especially. And so the fact that she was um, given this award and welcomed into, you know, this very prestigious, you know, Canada's Walk of Fame or Hall of Fame, um, I, I don't think it got much coverage. And so for me, I mean, there's so many stories, but just because of her recent uh, role in Killers of the Flower Moon, um, I, I just all props to her and just what she's done for um indigenous representation in the media as well i think it's really and how amazing uh, that this, this is someone who was in this is a woman who who was in lonesome dove this is a woman who was in uh, uh dances with wolves and now this year she's in scorsese's film that's that's the mm -hmm. front runner for she was in black robe which is one of you know uh, oh yeah she's uh, in black robe one of the yeah. wildest most and, controversial and fascinating uh movies they've ever taken a stab at jesus that movie 
And she was also in the Three Pines uh, that was recently. That's right. On uh, yeah, she was on that as well. So amazing, amazing activist and um, artist. And so I'm just so glad that she got some recognition around that. Finally, five decades of acting. Yeah. Um, Simon, I'm curious, what's a story that you felt was particularly underreported this year? This one was hard, man, because I'm a journalist and I, you know, I, I have my nose in the muck, unfortunately, all the time. And I get frustrated when stories don't get picked up, don't get published, or they're like, oh, I didn't know. And we're like, we've been telling you, man, we've been telling mm-hmm. you. Yeah. So for me, it would have to be what has been going on for quite a while. And, and I'm going to preface this. I'm only going to say the word once as much as I can. This is I'm only going to say this, but it's the S word squat. Okay, yeah. that is a very, very harmful, hurtful, hypersexualized yes, term to reference uh, indigenous women. And so this is something that we've been working on for a while to abolish. But right now in Fresno, uh, Fresno, uh, California, the Fresno County Board of Supervisors wants to keep the name of S Valley. Now, again, it's the S word, S word Valley. Yeah. And so and this is amid protests, right? The indigenous people there are saying, look, this is bad. This is racist. This is wrong. And they're just shrugging their shoulders. A yeah. lot of their responses is they want to keep the legacy. What legacy is that, man? Jesus. What kind of fucking legacy yeah. do you have where you you want to keep a slur, a sexualized slur against indigenous women? And you think that represents something about your legacy, your family, this whole westward expansion thing? So that's something that has been going on, of course, since Deb Holland stepped into the interior position mm-hmm. as the first secretary of the interior. And she's called for the removal of more than 600 federally recognized locations uh, that have that name. And so right now, I think Fresno is going to be that location going into 2024. Please keep an eye at the California legislature and especially the um, Yokuts people. That's their ancestral land. And they're pushing for the name change to make it Yokuts Valley. That in Yokuts for them means the people. And come on, how much more beautiful is that? The people's valley, not something that is so awful as that that awful slur so anyway that hasn't got a lot of traction all the movements across the country trying to get those more than 600 names changed but right now california is leading the way and they're going to hope next year host a rally and they're going to take these guys on you know headstrong it's amazing you know a couple of years Simon. ago i wrote a bit about oh go ahead julie i was just gonna say Simon, for for listeners who don't really understand like can you give sort of like an equivalent of what that's really saying? Like if, if you were to compare it to, you know, um, a, a non-Indigenous, you know, what would we be saying? What the, would the word yeah. mean so that mm. people understand like how horrible it is? Because for a lot of white people, yeah. they grow up hearing John Wayne say it in movies and they just think, yeah. oh, that's and, what is yeah. that's, his, that's his wife's name. They don't know oh, anybody. Oh, it just means woman. It means woman. That's, no, yeah. it think, doesn't. Oh, it doesn't. It's, no, doesn't. It, yeah. yeah, it's what white men then called a native child a native yeah. girl and they what they desired for sex yeah. so they were saying that they wanted that child for sex a small female girl which makes it even more disgusting when you see uh these thanksgiving plays and they have these young girls dressed in these paper mache headdresses and they call them the s word and they don't yeah. know how hurtful that is to an indigenous person that hears it and knows the history and so these were pedophiles who were literally using this this eastern algonquin term which is chunk squat which just meant woman it meant female and then they just shortened it they truncated it to refer to their basis desires 
a few years back, I was writing a piece about uh, problematically named valleys and streams and hills in this country because everything on federal land has a name. Every hill, every every little river has been given a name. And the only slurs that are banned in America from being the names of places are the N word. Because there was a woman found out there was a place called N-Word Creek on her property a few years back. But the N-Word is illegal. Negro Creek is legal. But N-Word is illegal to name a, a piece of land. And um, Jap. But Squaw is still completely legal. And as you pointed out, it's actually over 660 places on the federal map alone mm-hmm. with this word in its name and it's by design and you know what i don't think that ignorance is an adequate excuse Uh, once you know how hurtful and how evil the history of this slur is there's no way you can play dumb about it anymore do you do you have optimism that dead holland is going to really see some movement on this i do but remember how long it took for them to change the name of the washington football team it takes decades people just want to again they don't want us to rock the boat because it floats in their favor and so we are the ones that are saying, look, this is very hurtful. This is very offensive. I'm sure you wouldn't want your child to know or your your child to be referenced that way. And then when you use that word, our children know what that means. And it's extremely hurtful and dangerous to the mental health and well-being of our children. And it's again, it's just nasty. And yeah. but they just shrug their shoulders. They just go, it's our legacy, just like Columbus Day. It's our legacy, That's right. just like the Kansas City Chiefs. It's our legacy, just like the Blackhawks. It's our legacy. And that's all they can see. They can't see past their noses. And especially with something that impacts a community they don't visually see because often they claim to be one of us. Simon, why do you want to let decades and centuries of suffering and pain and ethnic cleansing get in the way of us enjoying a a quaint colloquialism, a quaint colloquialism, Simon? Yeah. Oh, fuck. Where's Jesse Waters when you need him? Oh, but it's like, this is what I say all the time. Uh, Racist shit that doesn't bother you is still racist shit. And thank you for bringing this story up, because this is this is uh, exactly the sort of thing that we need to talk about, that decent people should care about, that decent Christian conservatives should care about and that smart Democrats should talk about. But of course, again, I can guarantee you, Simon, there's going to be 25 assholes out there who's going to say you're woke just for wanting to remove this slur from federal lands. It's always there. Uh, sweet Jesus, man. And you know, the funny thing is they like to call us snowflakes. And then we talk to them about white fragility and they're like, oh, I'm not fragile. And like, yeah, look at your reaction. That's fragility, man. I'm going to have you canceled for that. OK, we got to take a quick break or I'm going to get canceled. Please stay with us. We'll be right back with more with Simon and Julie. And your calls. And again, our entire third hour is going to be open phones for everybody. We're at 866-997-GRIT, and we will be right back. Hey, all. Glenn Kirshner here. Friends, I hope you'll join me on my audio podcast, Justice Matters. We talk about not only the legal issues of the day, but we also talk about the need to reform ethics in our government. Here's one example. The oath of office. You know the one. I do solemnly swear to support and defend the Constitution against all enemies, foreign and domestic. Let's add 22 words to that oath. Quote, and I will promptly report any instances of crime and or corruption by government officials and employees of which I become aware. Friends, our democracy is worth fighting for. Join us in this fight. 
because justice matters. Look for Justice Matters wherever you ordinarily find your podcasts. We've been playing artists we lost this year all week long. We played the band the other night. But there's no way we could leave out Robbie Robertson's solo career, which deserves equal acclaim and consideration for his work in the band. This is from the album Storyville, featuring our friend R.E.M.'s Mike Mills on backing vocals. Shake this town. I'm John Fugelsang. This is SiriusXM Progress. Robbie Robertson is going to be receiving a posthumous Oscar nomination very soon for Killers of the Flower Moon for the soundtrack. He just received a Golden Globe nomination. I so wish Robbie could be here to experience it and have us all congratulate him. He was a good friend to this show. I am so thrilled to welcome back to this show two of our favorite weekly regulars, Julie Franchella and Simon Moya-Smith. We are at 866-997-4748. 866-997-GRIT. Guys, I wanted to ask you about this story that just broke about the school district in Kansas. Uh, we've been hearing a lot about the hair laws for schools to protect uh, black kids from having to cut their hair in a certain way and how so many schools are still very eager to violate those policies. Of course, First Nations kids have to deal with this all the time as well in ways that don't usually get reported in the mainstream media. What happened recently in Kansas, Julie, and, uh, and how did the ACLU get involved? Right. So recently, um, the Kansas City School District um, made a crucial policy change regarding their hair policy. And this came after a disheartening incident where a Native American boy was basically coerced into cutting his hair to avoid you know, punishment and to be basically avoid being kicked out of school. And his yeah. mother you know, was very concerned about this. And she spoke with the school and um, they decided uh, to to cut his hair so that he was able to go back to school. Um, and, you know, why, why does this matter so much? And as we spoke earlier, you know, in, in a, a few weeks ago, we talked about how for many native Americans, you know, hair is, is sacred and it's, it's intertwined with our traditions and, you know, it holds as mm. Simon was saying uh, for a lot of us, our memories and our strength and it's, it's sacred. So um, the fact that, the Kansas City School District actually changed their policy is so significant because it's it's not just about hair. It really is a step, you know, towards greater cultural understanding and respect. And you know, I like to think of it as not just a, a win for, you know, Native American communities, but it's a win for basically anyone who believes in the right to express their cultural identity freely. Um, and so, yes, you know, that's just, yeah. I mean, Simon, for a country that likes to boast so much about freedom and liberty, uh, these stories are pretty common, aren't they? I mean, we, we will probably Extremely. be hearing more stories like this. And I just think yeah. it's great we're actually hearing this covered in the mainstream media because 20 years ago, this never would have made the local paper. Well, 20 years ago, remember, we relied more on newspapers, broadcast news and radio. Right. You're right. With social media now, every you know, indigenous people, our voices are in your pocket right there on Instagram and X, formerly known as Twitter. But yes, I mean, we have to remember that there's also students who go to these schools and they can't graduate with an eagle feather on their cap, right? But Christians are allowed to wear a cross. Uh, the Jewish yeah. community gets to wear the kippah, right? Or kippah. Uh, but for indigenous people, having long hair or having an eagle feather, immediately it doesn't meet with their dress code. And then it, again, it's an indictment on the education system. It's like, okay, you do know what they did at boarding schools, right? They cut their right. fucking hair off. And over here, you're telling them they have to cut their fucking hair off. 
And that is the American education system for these kids. And this kid, you know, he wants an education. He wants to better his, just like me, I'm the first to graduate from high school in my family and go get a master's and et cetera. So it's something that we've been, all Americans have been told, you need an education. And this kid's like, fuck, the only way I'm going to get an education is if I cut my hair or I'm going to graduate if I cut my hair. And so we hope that Man. other schools and other municipalities, other districts look at this school and go, shit. By the way, maybe we should look at what the requirements are before we have one of our students cut off their hair. Because, yeah, it is spiritual. It is traditional. And it you only cut your hair when you're mourning. You don't cut your hair ever. And that's why you see so the, the long. Remember, I think we mentioned this. And, yeah, Julie, you brought it up that our memories and our hair, the longer the hair, the better the memory. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah I love absolutely. the story. I love that. I, I mean, as, as awful as the story is, I love the pushback and I love that this kid's yeah. going to win at the end of the day. Um, and that's oh, yeah. going to be yeah. harder in the future for other schools to mess with children's expression and spirituality because of this incident. I, I want to get some of our Absolutely. listeners on because a lot of people want to talk to you guys. So uh, uh, let's go to Jeff, who's calling from Oregon. Jeff, thank you so much for waiting on hold. You're on Sirius XM with Simon and Julie. Thank you. Uh, hi. Yeah, I just I connected on a couple of points real quick that came to mind. One was my family goes back in New Mexico for hundreds of years. My last name is the same name as a county. I don't know if I'm allowed to say it on air, but go ahead. Uh, Chavez with a, Chavez with an S, you know, it's a mm -hmm. county there. And uh, my great grandmother was Navajo, but also I ended up raising my family in the Phoenix metro area, where they renamed the peak from S. Peak to uh, Paestawa Peak after oh, wow. the young woman who died in, in the war in the Middle East. Yeah, okay. private first oh. class. So, yeah. So, you know, little bits of, you know, insufficient progress, but here and there, you know. Right on. Uh, yeah. You know, I, I, also, I also ran, a, well, in my time in Arizona, I ran across some people who told me a little bit about the seven generations concept and I just found mm. that fascinating too in terms of how we plan uh, uh, you know politics yeah. really me too instead of every you know being going chasing a dollar every quarter it's you know seven generations now with right you know, I think yeah. a lot of people just in case people so don't know what that is that, can you explain that yeah. Simon seven generations yeah this, the seven, so it's a seven generation rule that you don't make any uh, significant decision without considering seven generations after you're dead. And now consider American politics, right? Right now at the legislature, they can only see to their grandchildren, right? And even with climate change, they're not going, they're not too worried about it. Like, that's my grandchild's problem. But for us, you make significant decisions thinking seven generations after your death. How will this impact mm. seven generations of my family, of my nation, of my tribe, of humanity, of the animals, of the water? Everything, not just personally. We have to remember that because in Lakota, Mitakweyoyasin means we are all related. We, the, the land doesn't need us. We need the land. And so yeah. what decision can we make today? And if I die tomorrow, what decision is best for the next seven generations of life? Making lots of styrofoam. I think is that is Jeez. that one of the options? Is that does that no? Oh, sorry. Okay, my oh, bad. Jesus. White guy. White no, guy they still here. do that delivery. Whenever you know, if you get delivery and then they just have styrofoam, you're like, what the fuck? I'm not ordering from you again. 
but it's like our our the way we treat the earth is exactly in direct opposition to the way our indigenous brothers and sisters treat the earth. I mean, it's right. not about being raped for profit. This was the thing that the Ken Burns movie about the buffalo got right so much. The worst part about it was that it wasn't even about malice. It was just about greed and wanting mm-hmm. to just rape yeah. the land for dollars. Julie, do you want to John Locke? In? Well, yeah, yeah. Well. One positive, I think that's that's happening. I've been doing a lot of uh, work in right now in um, the climate community and climate change, and and a lot of agencies and businesses are starting to adopt this seven generations philosophy uh, in regards to sustainability. And so this is it, it makes me very happy because seeing you know um, businesses start to 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 look at this indigenous wisdom as a way to be sustainable in you know the global economy i think it's you know wonderful and you know that was something that i was raised with as well the seven generations is um very much a part of um uh, ojibwe teachings as well and so you know simon's right like how does this affect not just you know our children and our grandchildren but it was always seven generations down the road and so i think it's a it's a beautiful philosophy and yeah. it makes me happy to see that you know um businesses and agencies out there are starting to actually adopt this as their philosophy so as for sustainability so chris do we have time for one more call before our break can we get one more in yeah really quick laura in california you're on with julian simon thank you for your patience on hold hi i wanted to know if you've ever heard of san pedro california concerning the First Nation people. I grew up in Downey, and my mom's from uh, Machis Chicana. We used to go down to San Pedro for um, by the by the wharf, by the water, but I didn't hear about what's going on. Is that recent? What's going on there? No, no. Well, I've, I've lived here for eight years, but I was told it's been going on for about 100 years that uh, international tribes of the First Nations all meet here in San Pedro once a year and um, they just recently had one in October and it's a big festival on top of this big mountain where there's a thing called the Korean Bell and the military museum and um, and then also not to offend anyone I'm just repeating what the white man called it since 1915 it's called the Sequoia Red Man First Nation uh, Wigwam Club Still? And so it's a Still? Fr- yeah, it's a fraternal organization. Wow. What the hell? That's like when people say Navajo Native American, like there's any other Navajos in the world. <laughs> <laughs> I just, I don't, anyway. But the story is, and it's, um, it's written up okay, there. I've and, not heard of it. And on the, front, on the front of the building, it has like a, a, their philosophies. And like the first five are about peace. Up towards others, protecting the earth. It's very of beautiful. Course. And the the story about this uh, wigwam club, or, or wigwam means club, right? So Sequoia, first man, first tribe uh, uh, wigwam is uh, because in the 17s, uh, the, before the Revolutionary War, that um, certain Indian tribes gave the white man revolutionaries, Americans, hmm. um, uh, 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 costumes, you know, the, the costumes considering the Boston the Tea man. Party, so they, right? So, right. So they can dress up to um, deflect and, and right. disguise themselves for the British. 
And right. so then this, the, the uh, First Nations people allowed the white man to start this fraternal organization as gratitude. Jesus. Did they really, though? <laughs> yeah, well, it's a that's... trip because especially in Conquistador land, you're, you're talking about something that happened out in, you know, in, a, you know, the East Coast. But I, I get it. I mean, they, they use terms like red man in wigwam and totem pole and teepee yeah. very loosely. And yeah. uh, I think one thing that that needs to happen, especially sounds like that needs to happen in San Pedro, is that we need to teach them the right language and how to honor us correctly. It sounds like maybe their heart's in the right place. They just yeah. don't know the language. They don't know, yeah. you know, please don't call me yeah. a red man in that sense, because Oof. it does. They when somebody go, oh, here's a red man. It's like, OK, that's that's pretty bad because it, oh. when you look at the illustrations of the depictions yeah. and the caricatures and then you become dehumanized with just certain language yeah laura thank you so much for the call can i just say though simon Thanks, i had laura. a lot of white people tell me that that indians don't mind the word redskins they don't mind it i had a lot of trump supporters tell me this <laughs> that it was just woke politics <laughs> ruining sports bullshit uh, the guys charity ones <laughs> yes oh no the one sixteenth cherokee ones i heard on my on yeah. my stepmom's side we are with Julie Francella and Simon Moya-Smith. Guys, I, I thank you every time for doing this segment, but I love it. I learn so much. The two of you have so much soul, and you're really good broadcasters. Before we say goodbye for the year, uh, Simon, this was another year where, you know, you can have hopes for a two-state solution. You can have hopes for health care for all, and you can have hopes for Leonard Peltier to finally get a new trial. But it doesn't mean those things are going to happen. Yeah. It, it, it just this man is a legend and he has been alive for so long and all he wants is a new trial. Yeah, we just yeah. want him released. He is the U.S.'s uh, longest serving political prisoner. He's 79 years old. You know, he's blind in one eye. Uh, he's formerly the American Indian Movement. Uh, he is American yeah. Indian Movement. He's a boarding yes. school survivor. And so we need his release. Nelson Mandela, before his death, said release Leonard Peltier, the U.N., Amnesty International. Yeah. Even his former prosecutor said, OK, uh, there was some false evidence, then some coerced testimony. This guy needs to be released. Boom. Yeah. Amen. Yeah. Amen. And I think, you know, his case is a, a poignant symbol of the indigenous struggles for justice in America and in Canada. Like it, he just represents everything that we're fighting a against. And, you know, th hopefully he that's that's something to be hopeful for that, you know, hopefully he will be released or at least get a new trial. Guys, this segment has become the most popular segment on our show in a very short amount of time. You guys have a powerful medicine and you are helping a lot of people. How can our listeners follow you over the holidays to keep up with all you do? Julie? You can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Julie Franchella. And also you can check out my artwork on my website, juliefranchella.com. Simon Moya-Smith. Yeah, you can find me on Instagram at Simon Said Take a Pick or on Twitter or X at Simon Moya Smith. Guys, have a great Christmas and New Year. I look forward to catching up with you uh, in the new year here on Sirius XM. Mm -hmm.